Good morning. Take a moment. <clears throat> what a great prayer. Thank you, Corky. I've, uh, I, I just marveled at the different scriptures that Corky came in and out of and mentioned, made reference to probably about a dozen, a dozen different scriptures about the preeminence and the importance of God's Word in that one prayer. And uh, I appreciate that, Corky. And um, Noah was talking about why are we so blessed. And he gave us a reason out of a, one of his favorite psalms. But we are very blessed with the worship team that we have. And, um, you know, even the, God has different ministries. There's, there's so many resources we have in our day and age. But when it comes to worship, just for me, my favorite thing is right here with you guys, with this worship team. There's, there's no substitute. You know, the people, the pros, the celebrities on the radio, they're pretty good. But these guys, it's awesome. They just do an outstanding job. And I'm blessed every Sunday, and I look forward to it every Sunday. Well, we're in the book of Second Peter, and one of the scriptures that Corky quoted from in his prayer was out of Second Peter. Last week, we talked about the importance of... Peter's emphasis to make every effort in our Christian walk. And that is to say, I use the term Christian floaties. Um, And I I wish there was such a thing in our day and age as a neutral status of Christianity where we could really take a respite from the battle that rages, but our only rest is found in God. And what God does is He... If we go to Him for rest, He encourages us, hang in there, keep pressing forward, put, it, put this foot in front of the other, trust and obey, trust and obey, and obey. Because the Scripture is plain that the age that we live in, there is a battle that rages. There are currents of good and evil, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. And there are powers behind each of these forces and the principalities. And what that means is that those that have professed Christ are in the middle of it. We're on a battlefield. And at any given time, we are prone. We are prone. And so God does us the favor through Peter and many other authors of Scripture to just remind us to keep our focus on Christ, to keep pushing forward, to keep the the commands and the kingdom ways of God before us because there are great dangers when we just think that we can take a break and float. And a lot of times it's not so, when we find ourselves floating, it's not really so we can take a break. It's because from, from how hard we've been working, a lot of times it's just sin. We want to, we want to uh, engage in sin and, and kind of question the, the goodness of God. So I hope that this week that we've been very intentional with our time with God, our devotions and our interactions and fellowship and interaction with this world. I hope we've been calculated, pacing ourselves, um, not going crazy and only able to go one round in, in a 12 or 13 round fight, but just thinking things through and keeping Christ first. As Peter has told us, one of the ways that we are to make every effort is by supplementing things. And he lists, he lists virtues that we are in Christ to grow in. 
So he says, supplement um, your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Now, my ESV says uh, supplement. I think the NIV says add. And that's actually an interesting word that Peter uses. Because that word supplement or add, I'm not sure what your version might say. It's a word that the Greeks used. It's actually an investment term. Or at least the word that it comes from. It comes from a Greek word that is an investment term. And it was something that they used. So in that day, if you wanted, um, if you wanted to watch a performance or if you wanted to to be blessed by a choir or a chorus, the word used was you personally invest in it. The way that it will come about is that if that's what you want, then you be the one to make it happen. And so the word, the meaning behind this idea of supplementing and adding is that you're the one that's making the effort to bring forth what you want to see happen. And because you're making that personal investment, there's also a risk involved. So this idea of adding and putting effort into these virtues means that it's your personal responsibility, my personal responsibility to see that these things are growing. But it also means that because it's my blood, sweat and tears, it's not like just give a few dollars at the office. This is your financial backing or your spiritual, your time, your energy, your efforts are going into this to bring back, bring forth what you desire. But it is at a personal cost. Many times, like in in any kind of financial investment, there's a risk involved when it's your own money. It's easy to watch others, but it hurts when it's your own. And that makes perfect sense because in reality, if we're going to grow in these areas, there will be risks. You think about our culture is becoming less friendly to godliness. Our culture is not tolerant to the very things that Peter is listing here that he wants us to actually expand in. And so at great risk, it may cost us. It may cost us our job. To grow in godliness, for instance, because we're not as politically correct as our boss or others in the firm. It might cost our job to grow in these areas because we have different priorities. Maybe we we value our marriage, we value our parenting, our family, we value our church. And so we're not willing just to sacrifice all of our lives for, for making money or whatever it is. We might be... Demoted, we might lose our jobs. So in other words, there is a risk involved. If you think about it, there are things that because we want these so much, we, we're going to let go and, and make sacrifices of the things that means you can't have these things. Uh, you might have, have to forego or lay down your, the college of your dream because when you're finally old enough to go there, there, it's not conducive to your spiritual growth and you make a decision God's more important. So these areas that we're growing and we talk about faith and self-control and steadfastness, it's for people, Christians of all age. And to choose God and these attributes often means saying no to the things of the world that the flesh often wants. So you think about young people or 
who are looking for relationships. And it might mean that you have to say no to a relationship that is not healthy for you in Christ. It's a risk. It's a personal cost. And there are things that hurt. And that word is behind it. Now, Peter could have used other words. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he uses this word. And so there are things, church family, that we will most certainly miss out on. Perhaps popular, cultural, fun fads that we will miss out on. Because we're choosing to focus on these things. So we add these. We supplement this. And it changes us for the better. And Peter went on to say that if we're at risk, if we fail to do that, because there's no neutral ground, we can't float. What happens is we get taken by the currents of evil. And we fail or we are not fruitful. And he calls it becoming blind. I like the way Scripture often paints picture. So we have to keep our eye on the... I gave that illustration of the the couple that jumped in the water and the current was so strong. Keep our eye on the boat. That's our salvation. We can't let ourselves drift, drift so far. Keep our eye on the boat. For whoever lacks these qualities, in verse 9, is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So... It can cause a spiritual blindness. And we talked about that last time. And when we fail to look back at the cross and then we fail to look forward at the hope of the cross, what God has in store for us, we get stuck in the middle. Why am I even doing this? Why am I putting forth the effort? And we lose sight of that. Today we're going to continue with that same kind of thinking. That is the encouragement to grow, but also the consequences that occur when we fail to grow. But we're not going to look at it from the angle of spiritual blindness. We're going to look at it from the angle of what I'll just call spiritual forgetness. (laughs) Forgetfulness, excuse me. Spiritual forgetfulness or remembering versus forgetting. So here's how Peter puts it. 2 Peter, chapter 1, 12 through 15. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort, so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. It's hard to miss, isn't it? Remind, 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 recall, recall. And Peter not only tells us to make every effort, but he's saying the way I am growing and the way I am promoting kingdom growth, I'm making every effort. The way I'm doing it is by keeping the importance of these gospel truths before you at all times. That's how important this is. He's doing his part because he realizes as an apostle, and he's been around, he's seasoned now. He's shepherded hearts. And he has witnessed the destructiveness of failing to remember these things. 
And so we talked about the blindness. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted in verse 9 that he's blind. But what caused the blindness? Having forgotten. Having forgotten what? That he was cleansed from his former sins. Who would have ever imagined that remembering the basic truths of the gospel that we sang about this morning played such a significant role in our entire spiritual lives and in our growth or the lack thereof. So in other words, if we want the, the more, more faith and the moral excellence and the knowledge and the steadfastness and the self-control, the brotherly affection and the love, if we want these things, then there are crucial things we have to always have in the forefront of our minds. We have to be remembering. And that is the gospel. The gospel that Christ has come to save sinners. And that when you profess Him as Lord, when we repent and confess Him as Lord of all, then you shall be saved. We are forgiven. God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So we can never forget or lose sight of the fact that as Christians, what makes us Christians is the grace of God in that we have been forgiven undeservedly of our sins. And that we can hear that so much that it no longer has an impact on our lives. And so Peter says, I'm just going to keep telling you. I'm going to keep telling you so you don't have an excuse. I, don't, I want to do everything within my power to remind you of the importance of what Christ does and has done for you. And you got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it fresh in your mind. It has to, you have to remain astounded at these things. Recycle them. And as we learned last week, it's important because it's the gospel. As he says, we have divine power. That's the whole reason that we can even grow in Christ or even know God at all. It's something that God has deposited in us. Now, he says, add to these things. God's already put things in us. It's not like we have to manufacture them from scratch. We're just growing what the Spirit has already deposited in us. So we have to go back all the time, every day in our lives, we have to go back to the gospel. You have forgiven me from my sins. Because that's what brings change. That's where everything starts in the Christian life, the gospel and the acceptance of it. So that's where our race or our pilgrimage or our marathon begins. Now, I'm sure you've seen it, and this happens in real life. In marathons, there have been people who have schemed, and they have snuck in at like maybe the halfway point. Somewhere they're behind behind a trash can or a group of people and they, they're all suited up and then they just start running the race. Hopefully, they, these are the ones that have gotten caught. Hopefully, it's never nobody won one. But in, when it comes to Christianity, we, we might just think that we can start growing in godliness or doing the Christian life without the repentance and the acknowledgement found in the gospel truths. You, it won't work. You can't just come in at any point of this continuum. We all have to go back to the foundation and keep that foundation in mind. So, no cheating and remembering the importance of this. 
You have it in two different forms, verse 9 and 12. Verse 9 puts it in the negative form. Don't forget, verse 12 is the reminder. So don't forget, but remember. And you think about it. What did Jesus tell his disciples at the Last Supper? Do this in remembrance of me. So the the Last Supper, perhaps the most important uh, mnemonic device, if you will, association of remembering the gospel truths is practiced every time we take the Lord's Supper. It is intended, it's designed to bring to our remembrance in, in brevity the whole story of the gospel from beginning to end. So at least for us in that way, we practice that once a month. Now we missed it last month, unfortunately, uh, gathering together and we had to go virtual. And it was interesting to me and really a blessing to my heart that some of you emailed and said, uh, are we having communion now that we're meeting again? Because we missed our communion time. And we didn't discuss it at elders. We just said, well, we missed it. We'll, we'll catch it the first of February, which the first Sunday in February, which is our plan. But that was a great question. It didn't, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't even dawn on me, should we have communion if we missed it? And that shows the, the importance of that and the desire of communion. We, we love communion here at New Covenant Fellowship. So we want to make sure we understand if it's so important. This idea of remembering and forgetting, especially when it comes to gospel truths. I want to make sure that we understand how all of this fits. Because the Bible does talk about remembering and forgetting. So let's look at a few examples of how Scripture describes it so we know what we're trying to accomplish to make sure that we're obeying the Lord in this area. Hebrews 8.12. This is God talking about remembering. He says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities And I will remember their sins no more. So let's talk about God's concept of forgetting and remembering. That's what he says. This is a great promise. A great promise. I will remember their sins no more. So what does that mean? Is God literally saying, you know what? I can't recall a single sin. Literally. You did? You said, what? You did that? Oh, my goodness. I'd forgotten all about it. It's... Completely removed from my memory. Is that what the Lord is referring to or Scripture is referring to? There is absolutely nothing there. There is no recall of our sins when we confess them and God forgives them. How about Leviticus 26, verses 40 through 42? I'm going to look at a few different Scriptures here. But so here's a different angle. This is where God's talking about people reminding Him. Not him forgetting, but or him forgetting their sins, but they reminding him. If they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them, so that I sent them into the land of their enemies. Then, when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. So what does that mean? 
you'll remember it. it, it is, is God saying, look, I'm God. And as God, I have a lot on my plate. I mean, the story of redemption is complicated. It's a lot of work. And I have countless children praying to me, making their supplications every day. Thousands of different things to try to keep in the forefront of my mind to keep up with. So what I need to encourage you to do, because it's so much, is that I'm prone to forget a few things or let them slip. But when you gather and you remind me of what I've told you, remind me about the covenant, remind me, hey, I made you, don't forget about this promise. Well, it's to your benefit because it's, maybe I did forget it. Is that what this means when it says God forgets sins or what it means to remind God of these things? Oh, yeah, I made a covenant. Thanks for reminding me. By the way, how is Abraham? Oh, that's right. Abraham is with me now. So how does God forget these things? Of course, if I put it like that, I know you're thinking to yourself, well, obviously it can't be that. So how does it work with God? Well, we'll, we'll see in, in a second. How does it work with people? Well, we live in a fallen world and we forget. And we can actually forget to the point of not remembering at all. We can stuff, not to say it's not, you know, scientifically isn't somewhere in our brains. But if it is, it's not doing us any good. So we, we can forget these things. And there have been, sometimes when I go home, uh, a sibling will try to stir up a memory. You remember when we did this or you might do that? And I'm like... No, I don't. I don't remember. And no matter what I do, if I stand on my head and I try to think and concentrate, I don't remember it happened. But it did. But I don't remember it. And some people will tell you that happens more and more with age. We don't, I don't know. That could be true. So when it comes to forgetting, we are certainly capable of losing complete sight of things. And then it's, it's different degrees. Sometimes a, re, a reminder does help. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, thanks for that. That was gone until you brought it up for me. So we've recalled memories in part and in full. And what happens is it comes back into our working conscience to where it's doing us good. So if it's there, it doesn't do us any good if we can't access it, we're not God. Now, when it comes to God, you'll have a hard sell trying to convince me that the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God literally forgets. I don't see that that's a possibility for him. Because even time... God is everywhere present, not just uh, spatially, but in time and space. So for God can see every moment at one time of history. He's not bound by time. So how could you possibly even forget when you can see everything before you, because you're God, at one time? 
But there is something to this idea because of forgetting our sins. There's something powerful in it because it's a promise and our sins truly are forgiven. So what does the Bible mean then by remembering and forgetting? Well, I think it has more to do with bringing things to our working consciousness. It has a lot to do with the things that were that are captivating our hearts, the things that are important to us or choosing between one reality and another reality. And it's how our brains work. It's how our hearts function. So what is on our minds right now? You know, we can forget things in in different ways. There's been times when we've had fellowship meals. I missed the fellowship meals, by the way. Just popped into my head. I forgot. I forgot that we used to have fellowship meals until I just remembered we had fellowship meals. But the reason it popped into my head is because there were times I'd come for fellowship meals. I'm supposed to be cutting back, you know, on some kind of diet. And I look at the food and I say, oh, that's what I want. I'm thinking to myself, I hope there's some left when I go through the line. At that moment, the importance of seeing something that I liked calls me to, for that moment, forget. I'm not supposed to be eating that. And then somebody might come up to me later and say, uh, are you supposed to be eating that? Just this habit. This habit. So we have that kind of forget forgetfulness to work with. But we have a spiritual forget forgetfulness. So there are things that in God's mind, are very, very important in how life works, how our salvation works, how our relationship works. Relationship rules, boundaries, life boundaries, whatever you want to call them. It's the revelation of God. And there are certain things about it that we, in order to function as God desires, in order to grow, in order to receive and experience God, receive the blessings... There are things that we have to make every effort to keep up here in our working consciousness. And it's not that there aren't other realities, like the reality of my diet that was forgotten because of the reality of yummy food. It's not that there aren't other realities happening concurrently. It is a matter of a conscious choice to remember the things that are Important. So it's a spiritual forgetfulness. And there are consequences to spiritually forgetting. For instance, perhaps some of you are on medication for uh, different issues. And you have your medications. It's very important. Some of us are dependent on medications. And so maybe you put them in your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all your things just to keep up with it. You forget to take a pill. Maybe it's for mood, maybe it's for physical feeling, pain or something. You forget to take a pill and what happens the next day? You, for, you feel it. There are consequences. There are certain things that we have to remember or we will feel it. It'll be negative. And there are spiritual consequences of spiritual forgetfulness as we lose sight. Let me look at another verse, Isaiah 51, 12 through 13. He says, and this is kind of getting more, even more practical. I, even I am he who comforts you. 
God speaking to his people. Now, who are you that you fear mere mortals, human beings who are but grass, that you forget the Lord your maker, who stretches out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. So he is saying to his people, who are you to forget me? I made you. I made everything. And look at yourselves. So is God saying you literally forgot that I even existed at all? In the sense that there was no recall and you blotted it out of your mind? Or is it more a matter of the you lost the importance and the fear and the terror of me in your working everyday life consciousness? And what replaced it was the fear of man. And you started looking at your enemies and they became more important to you and their powers and they became a bigger threat to you. So it actually changed your thinking, which changed your behavior. Now you're anxious. You're all cuddled up, balled up in a corner, scared to death. Because you lost sight of how powerful I am, of what I can do. And it messed you up. You see how it works there? It's not like they, oh, yeah, God, I forgot you even were there. They didn't bring it to their mind. It wasn't a working reality for them. You see how that can work in our lives, of course. And Jesus comes later and says, do not be anxious about, or Paul, do not be anxious about anything. And then Jesus in the Gospels. But seek first his righteousness and his kingdom. Then these things will be added unto you. God takes care of the birds and the flowers of the field. Won't he take care of you? Well, that's a truth and it's a reality. But what becomes more real are the bills that are piling up. Or the the shelves that aren't stocked. Or, the Lord forbid, no toilet paper. Now, that's something to be anxious about. And yet God, his truth is saying, I I have this covered I've spoken this to you in in a variety of ways, in a variety of places. You have had experiences. We sang about past faithfulness, and Noah reminded us about past faithfulness. So these are real acts that we forget, and we shouldn't. And it affects our behavior. It affects our desire for God. It affects our desire to grow. In godliness because we get so distracted. It's a a sick way of, spiritually sick way of thinking. So that's what we are dealing with when we talk about the gospel of grace. We start to not act according to the gospel of grace, which is we're not acting on the fact that God loves us, that God has forgiven us, that God has our best interests at stake for His greater glory. All of these truths get uh, suffocated out of our lives. And forgetting is not innocent. So our culture and the way we often think about forgetting in members, well, how can you hold me accountable when I just forgot? You know, I've heard people say that. Well, I just forgot. What's the big deal? I didn't do it on purpose. I just forgot. 
Is that a biblical way of looking at remembering and forgetting? No, because remember, remembering is there are important things that God has shared with us that He, in order to stay keep covenant, says you have to do the effort to keep these things up here where they belong because you can't tread water. Now, I do want to say, because as a parent, if we misapply this because there are things that I have as a child and then now my children, when they were growing up, they forget. So I'm not holding commands like, did you take out the trash today, equal to the gospel truths as far as consequences to forgetting. But I will say this, to forget what God has told us to remember. I'll put it like that. Not my parents. But to forget what God has told us to remember is a sin. It is evidence that we are covenant breakers. It's disobedience. We let it slip. We let other things become more important. We didn't hold the, the glorious, majestic God in our minds, in our vision, in our eyes, in our peripheral, all around us. We weren't captivated. We weren't consumed about it. As we should have been. And there were things that we could have done by the divine power of the Holy Spirit that already possesses us, Peter says, to make these things happen. So there is no excuse here. I think about Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praises holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Remember that psalm? Forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives? So he starts listing them. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Now, who is the psalmist speaking of? Himself. Himself. He's talking, he's talking to himself. Don't forget. He's making every effort. He's doing the, the hard work of remembering. God did this and God did this. Don't forget these things. Don't act like you think you just deserve them. And you're going to get them every day. These are blessings. They're mercies. They're graces. Be astounded. Be it all. For the goodness of God, my soul. I'm not let. Don't you dare forget these things. He's telling himself. This is why. This is why I'm living the way I am. This is why I'm not caving into peer pressure. This is why I'm choosing not to act in that way or think that way or follow after this crowd. This is why I'm choosing to manage my family or, or conduct my business. It's because of the gospel. It's because I've been forgiven of my sins. And now I live for God and God alone. It should captivate every day of our lives. By the way, the truth that that psalmist in that whole psalm, I won't read it all. The truth that was most important that he kept reminding himself about was the forgiveness of God. The forgiveness of sins. And that's what Peter is saying everything is based on. So Peter knows it's the key to our growth. There's a, um, a pastor that tells us this story and... So we're talking about remembering to look at everyday life in light of the gospel and what God has done for us in forgiveness. Because we can view circumstances and events through the gospel. Here's an example one pastor tells 
this story. I remember years ago, a woman in my church came to me and gave me what she thought was, you know, a, a good a good thing. And and um, what I've realized about the more I think about this example in the story is it's not just a good thing. This is like the main thing of life. She said, you know, I think you're preaching starting to get through to me about the fact that in Jesus Christ, in spite of my sins and flaws, I'm loved. When the Father sees me in Christ, he sees something beautiful. Now, recently, I was with my sister-in-law, and I hate my sister-in-law. I hate my sister-in-law, and I'm, and I'm cold to her. I have so much trouble being kind to her because she always tears me down. And she tears me down in front of my father-in-law. She tears me down in front of my mother-in-law. And she just makes me look terrible. And it hurts my relationship with these other people. Always tearing me down. And I just hate it. Now, it wasn't that long ago. I was with my sister-in-law. And she was being what she usually is. And I suddenly said to myself, no, wait a minute. If I'm really beautiful to the Father, if the Father in heaven loves me, it doesn't really matter what she does or what she says. See, she can't really define my self-image or touch my, my self-image. And it began to break through. I suddenly stopped hating her. And I started to say, you know, you really can't hurt me. And I began to start to get kind to her. Now that I'm getting kinder to her, you know what? Well, she's starting to get kinder to me. So there's this breakthrough of beginning to look at that situation of turmoil and hatred. Spawn evil and turn it, look at it through the lens of the gospel truth. God's forgiven me. God's loved me for the unspeakable. I'm not going to let this person define me. And I'm not going to let myself define this person outside of the boundaries of God and being created in the image of God and God's plan and intention. So she, she remembered. Now, if you would have sat her down and given her a test, she would have said, of course, she's forgiven. Of course, I'm forgiven. Of course, God loves me. But now in real life, she applied it. The biblical... Knowledge and remembering has to do with looking at life, embracing people through God's truths. Embracing everything, circumstances and events, through God's truths. So no matter what happens in this world, no matter how bad it gets, it doesn't erase what God has spoken. It doesn't change what God has spoken. God's tr word stands. It's not like the, gray, the grass that fades and withers. It stands the test of time. So Peter says, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, even though that you're established in them, the truth that you have. He's writing to a church that already knows these. He's not saying, look, you're, you're, you're young, you're weak, you're needy, you don't know what's going on. They do know what's going on. They're mature believers. And yet he still wants to keep these things before them. As a matter of fact, it's so important. Peter tells us that he knows, because Christ, Christ has revealed it to him. I'm in my final days. There's been times throughout my life where I thought this is it and it wasn't. But now I know. I have this sense. I'm in my final days. 
Isn't it interesting that he would use perhaps some of his final words to remind this church, this group of believers, the importance of remembering the gospel in their lives. Spiritual forgetfulness is a flaw of the heart. He doesn't take for granted even though they're established and they know these things that they're just going to stick and never go away because that's not how the world works. Evil wants to erase them, wants to remove them, wants to distract us all the time. Now, we exist as a church to exalt God and edify the saints and evangelize the lost. And and that's a grid by which we see the world. It's a grid that we do life by. We want to keep those things in front of us all the time. You know, every time we meet, like today, and even though we don't have all of the everything on the buffet out today in the sense that prayer requests where we're involved in each other's lives and praise and all these other things, we are still here and we everything that we do reminds us of the gospel. Was there a song we sang this morning that didn't remind us of gospel truths? And every time, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, in prayers, in Sunday school, whatever it is, you're going to hear in some form the gospel, the truths of the gospel. So we come and we're just... Our minds are washed in the remembrance of the goodness and the grace of what God has done for us. So, it's not that these things aren't happening in our lives, but what's the biggest reality? The most important reality. Who's the biggest person? In other words, as my personal goal for this book, that we would be more captivated with God than anything that happens in this world. And in order to remain in that state, that sense, we have to keep him before us. And we have to look at everything that happens in our life. Things that are going on in our life now. Re-evaluate them through the lens of the gospel. Let me close with this. um, These words from Timothy Keller. He says, it's not just important to see that you were cleansed from your sin. You need to know how you were cleansed from your sin. Do you know how? Well, on the cross, when Jesus Christ cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What he was saying is actually, My God, my God, why hast thou forgotten me? So the the forsaken is in a sense when God turns his back on his son. He's not there for him. The relationship is severed. The benefits are are severed. That's part of the wrath. That's what you get when you sin against him. That's what Christ got. And part of it is the forgetfulness. I'm not there for you. God had turned away. He had forgotten him. There's nothing worse than being ignored and forgotten by somebody you think is important. On the cross, Jesus Christ experienced cosmic forgetting. He was forgotten by the only person in the universe who counts. When someone forgets you and ignores you, you feel like, well, not a person and it's terrible and it's painful. And on the cross, Jesus Christ was forgotten by God. Why? We deserve to be forgotten by God. We forgot God. And on the cross, Christ got what we deserve, so God will never forget us. He will always remember us. Isaiah 49 is the place where God says, You have said, 
Why has the Lord forsaken me? Why has the Lord forgotten me? And God says, but can a mother forget the baby who nurses at her breast? Yea, she may forget, but I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. How can God even say that? He can say it because on the cross, Jesus was forgotten in our place. So God will never forget you. Now, that's beautiful. That's glorious. You know, today, at least today, church family, we remembered. Today, we built on the rock. May God bless the preaching of his word.